Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Wherever you are, positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and... Liam, welcome. Liam, good to have you on the show. Thank you very much. And what are you thankful for this morning? This morning, I am thankful for a man that goes by the name of Michael Bausch. Do you know who this guy is? Nope. This guy does the news every hour in the afternoon on ABC. I know it's a it's a it's a composite it's a sorry, what's the word? Um it's one of our competitors. Um, it must be rough to listen to the news here on Faith FM. It is, but it's it's not the news that he presents, it's just his voice. He has one of the most amazing voices in the world. And when I listen to him for those five five minutes before I switch over back to Faith FM, I, um, I'm just put in a happy place. Well, there you go. Oh, yeah. we'll, have to, uh, we'll have to let him know. He has a number one fan right there. Oh, okay, yeah. So I had a whole list of things I was going to be happy for this morning and I was tossing them around in my mind. Ah, while I was kind of laying in bed Sunday morning, you know, thinking, well, I'm going to be thankful for this, I'm going to be thankful for that. And then I went out for breakfast and then all of those got completely blown out of the water. Yeah. Because, um, well, my son was there and then his girlfriend turned up Yep, and, while we were having breakfast and walked into the room and she was wearing an engagement ring. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Big news in our family. Our youngest son is getting married. Congratulations to Emery and Jasmine this morning. Well, yes, so very big, big congratulations to them. Announced right here on radio so everybody, everybody gets to know. <laughs> the news is out there. <laughs> Oh, dear. Happy times. Yeah. So, uh, very exciting. Anyway, so uh, that kind of, yeah, it did entirely overshadow everything that I was planning to be thankful and happy for. Uh, they're just wonderful people. So, um, super glad to... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gaining a daughter. I've never had a daughter before. It's going to be... This is, this, is, this is something very special. That's something my mum's got something to look forward to. This is a reminder, you're listening to the Delayed Broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. So coming back uh, to stories that are coming up in just a moment, we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to take a trip around the world to look at the coronavirus, but we're also going to, well, the Vatican seems to never be able to get themselves out of the news uh, with more events happening right here in the Hunter region.
Breakfast show. We are about to have the first clue for our quiz. The for the first quiz of the week. What have we got there, Liam? Here we go. What number am I? Benjamin received this many times the amount of food that his brothers received when visiting Egypt. If you think you know the answer, give us a call at one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Or send us a text on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. That is not correct, uh, Lyle. Uh, what we are going for? If you do call up now, you will receive "Patriarchs and Prophets" by Ellen White. There you go, fantastic prize right there. Um, so give us a call right now, and that will be yours. So that is one eight hundred three two four eight four three, or you can text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine if you know the correct answer. So that is one eight hundred Faith FM. Liam, what is happening in the world of positively different news? Positively different news once again this week. I uh, I'm trying to take something negative and turn it into a positive. Okay. With the coronavirus that is going on, obviously it is keeping a lot of people down and a lot of countries have 
uh, said, especially in countries where the, there's quite large outbreaks, you know, in Italy and um, in China, these countries, they've, they've put actions into place to try and reduce the spread of coronavirus, such as getting everybody to self-isolate for a number of days. Now, one thing that this results in is less people in the city, which means less cars in the city and less things going on in the city, which means less carbon emissions in the city. And one thing that has sort of happened over the last four or so weeks is the carbon emissions, especially in in China, they have... The scientists have done tests and they've seen reductions um, between 15 to 40 percent in the output across the the key industrial uh, areas, and they 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 have put this down to the coronavirus. So it's it's sort of a, a benefit to that. So they did uh, sort of tests throughout the time, and essentially a quarter of a quarter or more of the country's CO two emissions within a four-week period when, activ- when activity would normally be at its peak, it's also, it, as a result of the activity being reduced, the carbon emissions have come down and the, the air in China is a lot cleaner at the moment. Um, and yeah, I, I just... I love to sort of take the positive notes out of... Um, out of these little times where that really, really get us down. Um, another sort of positive thing that has come out of the coronavirus is there's been a lot of people, especially the elderly, that can't do these things because obviously they're more at risk being of a higher age and their immune system and, and health just isn't quite quite as, as good as it used to be. And so there's some people that need to do things to help the people around us. We, we need to, as, as people that are healthy and fit and able, we need to do what we can to help those around us, whether that means going to the shops to, to buy some stuff for uh, our neighbours that can't go or uh, just popping in and checking in on them. We sort of need to do whatever we can. Now, over in Seville in Spain, one man has, I guess he's gone a little bit, a little bit beyond. This is a man who is... Uh, I guess a, a a fitness a fitness person, so he's a personal trainer of of the sorts. And what he's done is he sort of he I think he lives on a in a building or he goes to this building that's a lot shorter and and it's surrounded by these sort of high rise apartment buildings. And what he's done it is he's sort of set up his fitness thing in the middle of these surrounding buildings, so that all these people can look out of their windows, look down to him and watch him and keep fit. And I just think it's... So wait, 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 wait. I can keep fit by watching somebody else keep fit? Is this how this works? Because if this is, then this is going to be a really It's good not thing. just that. You, you watch him and you follow him. It's sort of like he goes, instead of going to the gym to go to these classes... Yeah, yeah, I understand. You look you out the window. <laughs> you look out the window. <laughs> um, and, and do the classes from home. And I think it's, it's, it's good. I'm it, like, if, I'm got, if I can look out the window and just get fit by looking out the window, I'm signing up right now. <laughs> that sounds like a good deal to me. It, there, there, you know, there are some things that... I mean, you've got, it's not just looking out the window, but... I found out the other day that when you eat celery, you burn more calories eating it than you do 
by digesting it. Like the, the calories or the, the nutrition that you receive from celery is less than what you burn. Yeah, it's the same with iceberg lettuce, but it's still one of my favorite foods. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I've, I've heard it's a, one of the, a, a good snacky food for when you want to help to, uh, when, when you're trying to lose weight or something like that, or, um, trying to be fit or not you, not consume a snack that isn't quite as good. For my final piece of news this morning, uh, uh over the weekend with, and again, focusing on the coronavirus, which, it's sort of the main, the only thing that's really been taking over the news recently, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. You switch the news on, it's just like 90% coronavirus and 10% other news. It kind of makes you wonder what else is going on in the world that's not being reported on because, you know, all of those normal stories are still happening. Yeah. We're just not hearing about them. No. And if you were a government that wanted to do something, this is my conspiracy theory coming out. I love a good conspiracy theory. So let me have a conspiracy theory for a moment. <laughs> Here we go. If you wanted to, if you were a government and you wanted to change some legislation or do something big or, you know, whatever it was, while the world was distracted, that's when you do it. You'd be doing it right oh, yeah. now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you wanted to restrict people's freedoms or bring in some, you know, some really hardcore legislation that's moving us closer towards globalization and, and uh, restrictions of freedoms, end time scenarios, now is the time to do it because it's not going to be reported on. No. Nobody's even looking. Everybody's just freaked out over the virus, rightfully so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what I was getting to. Um, w- on this coronavirus, so what a lot of churches have had to do, um, obviously, when people come every Saturday or Sunday, if you go to church on Sunday, they all come and meet in one place. And when there's a coronavirus or something where that's contagious going around, it's not really good to have lots of people coming to one place. So what a lot of churches have decided to do is say, no, don't come to church. What we're going to do is create a live stream so that you can church at home, essentially. Um, and that has created not really a, a pro- oh, it, I guess a little bit of a problem, but a problem that these churches have had to, to overcome and find a solution to. So one thing that I've seen, I, I saw over the weekend, is a church in America, and they did, they did Sabbath school, and it was... They sort of tried to go about it as normally. Sunday school just on a Saturday. Yeah, Sunday school on a Saturday. And they tried to go about Sabbath school as normally as they could, just without any people there. So there were three people there. There was one person on guitar, two people singing. They were doing the songs and they were singing. a really, It was a really good song. And look, I'll credit where credit is due. They did do a really good job, all things considered. But... It was a little bit awkward, <laughs> you know. Well, hey, you got to give them, you got to give them a bit of slack because this is the first time. I know, and we've never faced this before, and I tend to think, you know, if we go into lockdown for like a year, yeah, we'll get really good at it. Yeah, by the end of the year, we'll be just everything that we will everyone, have. Everyone's TV presenter skills will be at level A by the end we, of the year because that's how everything has been. I operating. saw, I saw one, uh, one um, Facebook photo or, or meme. Um, do you know what a meme is? Do I know what a meme is? Here we go. <laughs> Unbelievable. I just wanted to check. Just, just wanted to make just sure. Just check and make sure. Yeah, I saw okay. A, I saw a, I saw a meme. Uh, that, yeah, I know how this goes. <laughs> you know, you never can be you. too sure. As I said, we've got to Alphas. check on the elderly. Um, Generation <laughs> un, un, I saw one meme where... My studio. <laughs> where there was... 
uh, it said that suddenly all youth pastors are becoming amateur live stream professionals. Yeah. And I thought it was, it, it cannot be further from the truth. No. Um, so, yeah. But we will be by the end of the year. Oh, absolutely. They'll be <laughs> not amateurs, they will be professionals. Absolutely. Um, level A, level A TV presenters. Indeed. Right there. Okay, so have you ever done any TV presenting? Work? You've done radio before, but you've done TV. I have done a little bit. I was on the on the project once. Oh, there you go. Ah, very good. For ten seconds, but ten seconds is ten seconds of fame, right there. This is uh, Philippa and Philippa Hannah and Abby Eaton with How to Jesus. How deep, how wide the precious love of Jesus is for you, for me. There'll always be enough No sin, no shame No storm could ever separate us from The one who gave his life for us I may not understand The mystery, the measure your plan But I
back, everybody. That was uh, Philippa Hanna and Abby Eaton with Now to Jesus. What number am I? What have you got there for us the, for the quiz there, Liam? Clue number two. The number of times Paul was given 39 lashes by the Jews. If you think you know the answer, give us a call at 1-800-324-843 or send us a text on 0491-064-669. No, Lyle, that is not correct. He's shot a number of numbers out, but uh, he's not quite on the money quite yet. Double prizes are available. Okay, so I'm going to begin with a bit of a rant this morning. It's been a while since I've had a rant. It's time for a rant. I went to church on Sabbath. Yep. And, of course, on Saturday, uh, because we're, we're Seventh-day Adventists here, so we go on Saturday. But many of you would have gone on Sunday, those of you who are churchgoers. And uh, some of you of other faiths would have gone on a different day. But I went on Saturday, and, uh, of course, the new policies have all come in, and they read them out from the front, you know, no handshaking, any of that kind of stuff. They're recommending um, ankle tapping, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a clumsy kind of thing to do. I sort of went with the elbow bump because it's easier for the elderly members of the congregation to do. And saying that, though, that might not be as safe because... When oh, you, no, definitely not as safe. When definitely you cough... not as safe. You cough into your elbow. That's right. Yeah. Definitely not as safe as ankle tapping, but still a lot safer than hugs and handshakes. Physically, it's a lot safer because, you know, you, when you tap someone's ankle, you could trip them over. Yes. Anyway, be that as it may, this was the new policy and some people were, yeah, probably the m- most people were very good at following it and having a bit of a laugh ar- about it, which was uh, all good fun. However, and I'm going to pick on baby boomers here this morning because in my church, they were the worst offenders. Really? Completely blasé, totally flaunting the rules and mocking those who didn't go along with them and didn't want to shake their hand or give them a hug. Really? Now, this concerns me, and I'll tell you why it concerns me. Um, And I should say that there was, you know, maybe one or two at my church. I'm not just saying. And and, and it goes across all generations. But I'm just going to say this. Particularly for baby boomers and the older generation, this is our way of showing you respect. Yeah. And so whether you believe in the virus or not, or whether you believe that it's a deadly thing or not, just accept the fact that we are showing you respect because, you know, for myself personally, I don't feel that afraid of the coronavirus. I don't want to get it. I really, really don't want to get it. Because if you've spoken to anyone who's had this virus, it is a brutal disease. Um, You know, they, they say that it's like the first two weeks is like having a nasty flu mm. uh, and then it turns into something like having a Mack truck parked on top of your chest where you are too exhausted yeah. to keep breathing. Yeah, and on top of that, the psychological stress from and, 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 isolation. That's right. And then on top of that, you've got, you know, your body has to sleep because of exhaustion, exhaustion but can't sleep because of the effort to breathe. Yeah. And I don't want to go through that. I don't want anyone to go through that. And so, you know, when I follow these new quarantine-style policies that are being brought into place, it's my way of respecting you. Mm. So don't mock me when I respect you. Yeah. Um, this is, I, I think it's, and I, I think it's, okay, I want to speak to all the people out there who are in that category of, yeah, I'm not really afraid of this virus, so I'm going to flaunt the rules. Mm. No, don't flaunt the rules and don't 
don't give people a hard time who are following the rules. The rules are put in place for a reason. And maybe this is all just a big yawn. Maybe, maybe you know, it's a, it's a complete beat up in the news media about what is happening around the world. But maybe it's not. Yeah. I mean, let's consider Italy for the moment. In Italy, they are now triaging their patients uh, by productivity. Yeah. Potential productivity. And so basically it goes like this. When you come into hospital, whether you get treatment or not is based on your future contribution to Italy. So if you are young, you are more likely to get treatment than if you are old. Mm. And you've got doctors who are having to make these life and death decisions. If you are a 40-year-old doctor, you're more likely to get treatment than if you are a 20-year-old person who's been unemployed for a year. Yeah. Because the doctor can be treated and put back into the medical field and might be somebody who can save the life of, say, 300 people. Yeah. Whereas your 20-year-old who's been unemployed for a year, then you're less likely to get treatment. Mm. If you're elderly, you may not get treatment because people might say, you know what, this person's had a good life and we have to save the lives of those who are young. You know, this is wartime triage that we're talking about that they're dealing with there in Italy right now, and you've got medical staff who are having medical breakdowns because they're having to make these life-and-death decisions. Yeah. So this is not something that we should be taking lightly. Um, a couple of other things that are going around at the moment. We had a 77-year-old lady who died uh, yesterday on the same day that she was diagnosed. Wow. On the same day that she showed symptoms. So that was pretty That's fast. That's a very quick turnaround. Um, and she, of course, was on a flight from, I think it was Brisbane to Sydney and first experienced symptoms while on the flight. And she was dead by the end of the day. So, so it happens quickly. It can. It can. Uh, this one is an interesting one. Germany's closing their borders or having a partial closure of their borders. Now, the thing that the, what, what I find most fascinating about this is that the European Union is supposed to be like, say, Australia or the United States, where you just move from one state to the other. Yeah. And then there's no actual, you know, there's not really a border. And it's kind of like New South Wales closing its borders. Yeah. Now, Tasmania probably should have done this because they could have been a, you know, a corona free uh, state there for a while. But. Um, <clears throat> if you look at this in the context of prophecy where you've got this, you know, the prophecy of Daniel chapter 2 where it says, you know, that, that Europe will, uh, the, the old Roman Empire will be, never be reunited ag together again. And you've got, you know, of course, Brexit being a major hole blown in the latest effort to try and create some kind of union. Basically what this is is that the countries of Europe are very, very clear that they are still different countries. This is not just the United States of Europe that we're talking about. This is not, you know, one kind of sovereignty when it comes to a crisis. It's like, yeah, we actually do have our sovereignty and we do have the power to close our borders when we, when and if we want to. And the commitment to the European Union is out the door when there is a threat that is enough to scare people, enough to bring something like this about. And so, yeah, coronavirus and Daniel 2 once again takes another swipe at those who would try and defy it. Okay, so we went out to eat last night because our youngest son got uh, just got engaged and we want to have a bit of a celebration and the restaurant was empty. Really? We were the only people in the restaurant except for the, uh, the Indian family uh, who owned the restaurant who were having their dinner in another 
uh, part of the restaurant. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, that was uh, kind of um, yeah, sig- very very significant. Okay, the United Kingdom is taking a step towards total war. They have not had a step towards total war since the Second World War. And in the Second World War, it kind of worked like this. Every single person had to ask themselves, and this is how total war works, this is the concept behind total war, war, is that every single person asks themselves the question, what am I doing to contribute towards the war effort? Yep. And total war has not been experienced there since uh, you know, 1939, 1940. You, know, you had people who had, it, say, a metal lathe in their back shed who were suddenly put to work making Spitfire parts right. or Hurricane parts? You yeah. know, it was it was just like every single person did something, and what they are doing is they are gearing up the manufacturers right across the UK, and they're asking them what componentry can you produce within your manufacturing facility for breathing equipment? Because yep. basically, you know, this is what is killing people is that they just simply do not have enough of the equipment to keep them breathing mm. while they get over the virus. And that is uh, one of the major threats that people have. Um, other teams, uh, businesses are going into uh, AB teams. Yep. And the AB teams, they come in and work on different days to try and slow the virus down or at different times yeah. or the A might work at home while the B works from the office and then you know vice versa the next day um, and some businesses of course you know the A starts early in the morning finishes by lunchtime when the B comes in so you've got you know half as many people in the work zone at the same time yeah so there's interesting how a, a, a number of people are uh, you know Looking at different ways of dealing with this. Of course, in the UK, they're looking at a four-month isolation for anyone over the age of 70.
Welcome back, everybody. That was Anthem Lights with Because He Lives. You're listening to The Breakfast Show, and we're about to have another clue for our quiz. Liam. Clue number three. Joseph chose this number of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. Joseph chose this number of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. It's a bit of an obscure clue, that one. I was going to write something down, and now I'm... Second guessing myself. Anyway, uh, let's see. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call if you know the answer. Or text us on 0491-064-669. Joining us on the phone this morning is uh, Etienne McClintock. Etienne, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lyle. Yes, thank you for having me on the show. Now, Etienne, of course, comes from uh, Voice of the Martyrs, and we're going to be talking about uh, persecution from various places around the world. But before we do, Etienne, I just want you to mention for us very quickly, Voice of the Martyrs is a great ministry. Uh, this is a uh, interdenominational, I guess you would say, so across all denominations, uh, ministry that really just focuses on religious liberty and persecution of Christians in particular in different parts of the world which we often, you know, in, in countries like here in Australia, we just don't think about persecution, do we? We don't really think about it much, but we operate in 68 countries around the world. So these are countries sometimes where they are actually hostile towards Christianity through government. But there are many countries where the governments are actually secular. They're not hostile in themselves against Christians, but there are a lot of uh, family persecution, community persecution. And uh, we work in those countries and territories as well. Okay, so just before we get started, because I don't want to miss this at the end, could you tell us about um, the website and the app to to get more information okay. about Voice of the Martyrs? Yeah, yeah, certainly. So Voice of the Martyrs website is vom.com.au, and you'll be able to find a lot of information there on persecution. And then we also actually have an app. So if you just go onto your uh, you know your Apple platform or you go to your Android. Um, store, you can type in Voice of the Martyrs Australia and you'll be able to download our app and it's got uh, daily updates there on persecution stories, requests for prayers there's audios you can listen to there's even some sermons by Richard Wimbrand the founder, where he talks about the principles of persecution now it's, it's fascinating when you, when you talk about persecution it's actually simply a process where people are caused to suffer for their belief uh, there's normally an adversary and uh, his work is to pursue those who believe in Christ and want to be a witness for him. So the end game basically for people who persecute Christians is that they want pers- uh, Christians' witness to silence. They want to silence that witness. Um, interestingly, in the Bible, when you look at the word witness there, the word for witness in the Greek is matus, where we get our word martyr from. But initially, you know, in the English language, the word martyr actually has morphed. It never meant actually a dead person that is witnessed by their life. I'm sorry, by their death. It actually means a person that is witnessed by their life. For example, if you look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now that you shall be witnesses to me, that word is martus. And that actually... You, very clearly, Jesus is not talking about dead witnesses. He's talking about living witnesses. So the whole concept of persecution is actually to silence the witness of Christians for Christ. Now, this may be done through many means. It could be, you know, it could be ridicule. It could be a lack of opportunity, uh, employment. 
And up the scale of persecution, of course, it can become imprisonment or death. But the motivation is always the same. It's to silence a witness for Christ. So uh, hopefully that gives people a slightly different perspective on what persecution is. It does indeed. Ultimately, yeah. Yeah. Keep going. But ultimately, there's obviously the first enemy that wants to silence our witness is Satan. Uh, the second enemy that wants to silence our witness is the fallen world. Um, Jesus in John chapter 15, that's the same night he was betrayed. Um, he actually says there in John 15 verse 18, he says that if the world hates you, you'd know it hated me before it hated you. And he said, if you were of the world, the world would love its own, yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So we see that the second uh, group of people that want to actually silence the witness of Christians is the world, because uh, the world hates Christ- Christians, it hates Christianity, and it hates Christ. And of course, we as a witness for Christ, they want to shut us down. Now, the third, the third, the third persecution uh, uh, system is actually our fallen human nature. If you are not born of the Spirit, but you are still just of the flesh, there's this issue of persecution. And uh, there's a text actually that comes to mind in Galatians chapter 4, verse 28, where Paul's actually explaining the difference between the Old and the New Covenant. And of course, that Isaac represents the New Covenant, and that Ishmael represents the Old Covenant. And he says there in verse 28, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. And then verse 29, but as he who was born according to the flesh, so only born of Adam, the first Adam, not the second Adam, then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. So if you want to uh, experience persecution, the Bible says that all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will actually suffer persecution, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. So we're not only talking about hostile and restricted nations. It can actually happen anywhere, at any time, to any person, even in free countries like Australia. And we have seen more and more of that uh, happening in Australia. Yeah, so Adrian, just commenting on that very quickly, you know, in the last couple of years we've seen, you know, maybe 50, somewhere between 50 and 100 small businesses who've been forced out of business because um, of supporting, you know, Christian morality and ethics. Uh, Does that then qualify as persecution? Absolutely it does, because basically it just comes down again to wanting to silence their witness, the martus in the Greek. Why don't that, we see really what... more persecution in countries like Australia? Is that because we are just more civilized, more developed than other countries? Well, look, we can be very grateful for the laws that we have. I mean, what we've had in the West by uh, religious freedom has actually been an aberration in history. That's really only about 230 years old. And it's liberal democracies that have allowed us that, and also republicanism in many countries, you know, where they, this is not going to be PC, but basically when they actually set up the constitution in the United States, they wanted freedom from a king, so they wanted civil freedoms, and they also wanted freedom from a pope, which was religious freedom. And at that time, so what happens is because country laws protect our freedoms, we've actually had a lot of freedom. Unfortunately, uh, when things go easy, human nature tends to go easy as well, and many Christians tend to go easy. And I guess the devil has got device upon device to actually distract Christians and to make them very worldly-minded, where they actually enjoy this home here more than uh, thinking about the home to come. Uh, what we find in the in the West, though, in places like Australia, for example, in the Christian church, quite often there's high knowledge. I'm generalizing here. There's high knowledge, but there's low obedience. Uh, you find in persecuting countries, quite often it's the opposite. There's low knowledge, but very high obedience. These people are prepared to lay down their life for Christ for very little knowledge. It may have been a song. It may have been a hymn. 
It may have been the fact that they've had a, a dream. God has given them a dream, and based on that dream, they've now joined themselves to the church. The problem is the church doesn't have a lot of Bibles. They, there's a huge shortage of Bibles in many countries. So then they actually render obedience, even prepare to go to prison, and even to die for their faith in Christ with very little information. Sometimes it's just one short text in the Bible that they are actually keeping in mind. And we have uh, a number of stories. Actually, this, this, uh, this month's newsletter is actually focusing on what's happening in Iran and about spreading the word of God in Iran. Mm-hmm. You guys were just talking earlier about the coronavirus. It's quite fascinating that Iran's one of those uh, difficult countries at the moment. They've got about 14,000 cases and they've had uh, about over 700 deaths so far. And I think new cases, I'm just following them on the website, new cases in Iran, there was about 1,200 new cases in the last 24 hours. Yes, they're uh, still exploding. In the we, need, we need to be praying for the uh, for these countries like Iran and Italy and, and, and so forth that are really getting hit hard as, as this wave seems to roll through. Yeah, that's right. And uh, look, the, the government there is, uh, I don't think, coping too well. So we, we can't. We don't even know if these numbers are 100% accurate. They're saying there's a lot of people with uh, COVID-9 running around, don't even know that they have it, haven't been tested. So the numbers quite often could be more than that, especially if you're a young person and quite fit and healthy. Um, it's fascinating, but uh, we've got some stories in this uh, month's newsletter. And by the way, you can sign up on uh, vom.com.au uh, to this, where people actually brought to Christ or in contact with his church, should I say, through miraculous ways. It could be through dreams, visions, sometimes miracles, you know, where they do not have access to the Word of God. It's so restricted and so difficult for them to actually hear the name Jesus that God finds them through many other ways and often through dreams. Now, on uh, page five of uh, this month's newsletter, we talk about a lady called Miriam. Uh, She was desperate in need of salvation. She was actually engaged to be married. Uh, This guy was very abusive uh, and a very violent man. Uh, she'd become very depressed. There was a uh, arranged marriage that she wasn't interested in, and she'd taken 12 pills uh, a day just to keep going. So she was medicating herself through drugs. Uh, and then she started getting so depressed that she actually wanted to take her life, and she tried five times, and uh, she couldn't kill herself, and she actually felt more depressed about the fact that she wasn't even successful in uh, in this pursuit either. And... Uh, she tried to overdose a number of times on medications, and then she decided, well, the, the medication's not working. I'm going to hang myself. So she took a length of cord wire she got from electric, electrical supplies from her brother, and uh, then she went into a room one afternoon, locked her in there, twisted the wire into a noose, and uh, as she was about to jump off the bed with this wire around the neck, she just said, if you actually exist, God, uh, I want to touch you. Just a weird thing that flashed into her mind. And she expected that God would touch her in death, you know. She didn't really know much about what happens to people when they die and so on. She swallowed a whole bunch of pills at the same time and uh, wrapped the noose around the neck and stepped off the bed. And for four seconds, she just hung there and she called out to God. But Jesus, the thought of Jesus uh, flashed into her mind. And she says all of a sudden, she was like a baby being held over the shoulder of her father. She just felt like she was held by someone. A stranger, she didn't know what it was, but in her mind, this person was Jesus. And she was just saying in her mind, please don't put me down on the ground. I'm scared that my feet will touch the ground. You know, she's echoing those thoughts. She says she wasn't even embarrassed being held by a person she'd never met before, but somehow she just knew that it was Jesus. And while this person, this being, is holding her, he's reciting Psalm 91 to her. And she didn't even know what Psalm 91 was, 
But the, one of the things that stood out for her is that I won't even let your foot hit a rock or a stone. But I will protect you. Trust me. But at this point, when this is happening, she wakes up lying on the bed. So she gets off her bed, is wondering if she's been hallucinating because of the drugs or she's been dreaming. And as she starts looking around, she sees this wire that had been around the neck lying on the floor. She goes, well, maybe I tried to commit suicide, but I blanked out with the, um, you know, taking the pills. So then she looks and uh, in the mirror, and she can see the dark bruise circle around the neck where the noose had actually tightened when she did actually step off the bed. So she started crying. She started understanding that Jesus actually loved her. She gave her life to the Lord there, and then she was connected to a church to actually help her further. But these kinds of stories with dreams of Jesus, dreams of his second coming, are quite common in these countries where it's highly restrictive and very, very dangerous to become a Christian convert. Yeah, and it's one of the, you know, I've traveled to Iran myself. It's a fascinating country to travel through. You would expect, you know, an oil country to be much more developed than it is. But in many ways, you know, it's one of the least developed countries that I've been to. And so you can kind of see why, you know, COVID-19 spread so fast. But at the same time, the Iranian people are just such wonderful, beautiful people. And many people have said, you know, if Iran actually, you know, received freedom tomorrow, you know, a third of them would, would become secular uh, overnight, but a third of them would become Christian. And the level of interest that there is in Christianity in that country is absolutely remarkable, particularly when you consider the way that, I guess, um, supposedly Christian governments respond towards Iran. But, you know, that's obviously the political the political sphere and so often you know, sure. people would come to us and say well you know global politics is one thing but we just love having you guys here you know which was which was really amazing um mm-hmm. but it is a country iran at the... yep, go sorry ahead. go ahead yeah no i was just going to say that iran at the moment the mosques are starting to run dry uh, i mean what happened under isis and boko haram and and all these places have actually been a very bad advertisement for uh, for islam so a lot of people are becoming very secular in Iran. Uh, there's a perfect storm there with all the boycotts and embargoes against them as well. People are struggling. There's a shortage of food. And, uh, you know, they feel that the governments lie to them. Now, in Islam, if you're a righteous person, you're more righteous than someone else, it's actually lawful for you to lie to someone for the sake of Islam. And they feel that the government and the Ayatollah there's lied to them. So we now find that the underground church is growing very rapidly there. It's very dangerous for them. But there's an estimated 3 million Christians in Iran at the moment, all made up from underground churches. Yeah, that's really amazing. Fascinating. It it is an amazing country to visit and to actually see what is taking place there. And so we need to be praying for the nation of Iran. You know, one of the sad things about it, as as, as we mentioned, is that many people would move to secularism if the religious government uh, disappeared. Um, It would be so much better for them to be moving towards Jesus Christ. Etienne, it's been fantastic having you on the show this morning. Thank you so much for joining us from Voice of the Martyrs. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I look forward to meeting with you guys in the month's time again. This is Bart Millard and Vince Gill. Jesus cares for me. Jesus cares for me It seems too good to be Doubts released Jesus cares
Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. We have this hope that 
burns within our hearts. Hope in the coming of the Lord. We have this faith that Christ alone imparts. Faith in the promise of His Word. We believe the time is here when the nations far and near shall awake and shout and sing Hallelujah, Christ is King. We this hope that burns within our hearts, hope in the coming of the Lord.